Welcome back to another episode of What the Bump. Today we are going to be hearing from Brooke all about her birth story. Brooke was pregnant with identical twins who ended up actually having twin transfusion syndrome. She got admitted to the hospital around 28 weeks and ended up delivering them shortly after via C-section. She talks about her NICU journey. Obviously they were premature twins and really just dives into her entire birth story and her postpartum journey. So let's jump into this episode with Brooke. Hello and welcome to What the Bump. My name is Jennifer. I am a labor and delivery nurse and a certified labor doula who is expecting my first baby this September. This podcast is created to inform and empower every woman on all of their options surrounding their pregnancy. Join me here every Monday at 9 a.m. as we dive into all things prenatal, birth, postpartum, and so much more. So let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to another episode of What the Bump. Today we have Brooke coming on the podcast to share her birth story. Hello. (laughs) All right, Brooke. So let's start off with just telling me about how you met your partner and a little bit about yourself and your family. So Nick and I met in high school. Um, I actually met him our freshman year, but we didn't really like click and kindle until I was a senior and he is a year younger than me. So when I was a senior, him and I hit it off. Um, as far as my family goes, very supportive family. I'm a homebody, so I would always hang out at home and such. So when Nick and I hit it off, um, shortly after that, I was pregnant and that (laughs) happened at the age of 18 18, and yeah, at the time he was 17. So yeah. So tell me about finding out you were pregnant. Obviously you weren't trying, but just tell me about kind of how you found out and how that happened. So, well, my mom and my dad, well, I obviously was not trying. So when I found out my mom and dad were on vacation in Vegas (laughs) and Nick and I were hanging out, I felt incredibly nauseous and I just couldn't take it away. I mean, I get headaches normally and I had the worst headache. My stomach was upset. I felt very nauseated and that was really the only symptom at the time. And it was, I mean, we kind of joke about it now, but I had asked him to cut up strawberries for me because I had been laying on the couch and he cut them up. He cut them in half, handed them to me. And I don't know why, but I got so mad at him because he didn't dice them. (laughs) (laughs) So at at the time we were like, oh my God, something is up. So we got that pregnancy test, found out I was pregnant. Um, I'm not going to lie. It was scary. I mean, I was 18. My parents weren't home. Um, So it was, it, it was scary, but I definitely just needed to take a deep breath and yeah, it was, it was going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So take me through your pregnancy. What was it like? How were you feeling throughout your pregnancy? So when I found out I was pregnant, I want to say I was roughly six weeks. So at that point I was beginning to feel nauseous. It wasn't terribly bad until, so my first appointment was at nine weeks And that's when we found out we were having twins. (laughs) Nick and I didn't know what to expect going to that first appointment. But like I mentioned, he was incredibly supportive. So he went to every appointment he could with me. And at this particular appointment, they were checking the heart rates. And the lady had told me, oh, my goodness, there's three. And of course, I'm not thinking like I'm like, yeah, I got two. Like, I didn't know what she meant. Three what? <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? So come to find out three heartbeats, that's me, baby, and the other baby. So there was two of them. And we were 
so happy. Then I would say roughly at 12 weeks is when it hit, it hit like a ton of bricks. I was so sick. I could not hold down anything. I love, like, I don't know what it is, but I'm obsessed with watermelon, always have been. So I would eat it and then it would just come right back up. But I would do it because I loved it that much. And yeah, I almost felt like bedridden. The doctor didn't tell me to become bedridden until about 24 weeks. Um, During that period of time, Nick was a senior in high school. So it was transitioning him from graduating to being sick. It was, it was hard. I mean, I felt there was times where I felt like I was so sick. My friends were out doing college activities or whatever the case may have been. And I was stuck in the bed feeling so ill, but obviously I'm so grateful now. And yeah. So at starting at 16 weeks, I began doing NSTs. So twice a week we would take or I, if Nick was at school, would take our hike downtown to downtown Detroit, where the um, hospital was, because I could no longer attend my original OB because I needed to see a specialist due to the circumstances. It was a high-risk pregnancy. So yeah, I would be there twice a week for roughly, I want to say the NSTs ran roughly an hour. And for us, that's about a 40-minute commute twice a week. So it began... Yeah. So it was, it was that it was pretty time consuming. Right. And at 28 weeks, I went in for my regular appointment to the hospital in downtown Detroit and the doctor had felt it was best to admit me until my due date. At this period, I was, it was October. It was October 1st when they admitted me, my due date was Christmas and Mm -hmm. I always thought like in the midst of being young and being pregnant, it was just having those Christmas babies. Like there was just so, so many things like having identical twin girls. Like I was just so excited. And then when that happened, I had already felt so sick. So then I was like, Oh, lovely. I get to sit in a hospital. Um, and why did he, I, why did he admit you at 28 weeks? Like, was there something at that appointment that was like a red flag or. Yeah. So the amniotic sack and correct me if I'm wrong. So <laughs> The sac is, Gabriella was getting more of the nutrients. So they had mentioned this like theory of like the twin, the other twin. I personally have never heard yeah. of it in that moment. Twin, twin transfusion syndrome, yeah. I believe is what they call yeah, it. Yeah, TTTS. So yeah, that's what they had diagnosed me with. And throughout the duration of my pregnancy, I forgot that uh, roughly, I'd say 15 weeks, they did send me to Um, the University of Michigan. And I had to see a different specialist that specialized in the twin to twin. So at that appointment, she kind of gave me a rundown of where baby A and baby B were. Obviously now baby, like we know their names as far as Sophia was the one that was struggling in utero. So she kind of warned me, like there is a chance Sophia might not make it and that it was hard, but at 18, it was I just, there was so much going on. So, and for us, U of M, that hospital was about an hour and 20 minutes out. So at that time too, we were like hiking it everywhere. I remember on the way there, I was like puking out the door on the freeway. It was like, and I hate to say it was a miserable pregnancy, but I was sick every waking moment. And maybe it it is because I have twins. I don't know. But so 
when that appointment came for 28 weeks, they had looked over the paperwork, you know, they had my charts. So they knew the severity of my twin to twin. And when they did this appointment, they noticed Sophia's heart rate was dropping. So Sophia, we just had to rush in and it was a constant NST. So I was admitted right away. I was hooked up and it was 24 seven. I was, it was so uncomfortable. You know, you have this belly and then you're laying on your back and you can't lay on your stomach or you can't really lay on your side because as soon as those monitors move, it's a false reading or whatever. So yeah, I was, that was, I was looking at 12 weeks. I was going to be in there because it was 28 weeks. And during that period, they were checking me 24 seven. I could barely get sleep. You know, you're very uncomfortable, heartburn and everything else under the sun you're dealing with. And like I mentioned, my family was incredibly supportive. So Nick, my mom, my dad, his parents would come in, would visit me. And although I was really uncomfortable, it was nice to have them like around. So the night of Gabrielle and Sophia's birth, I, it was roughly one in the morning and again, her heart rate was going down. So the doctor came in and said, we need to do this. Like this is an emergency. I was kind of in and out at the time because I was trying to catch some sleep. Nick at the time was sleeping on that like windowsill, you know, they don't really provide much for the fathers. Mm -hmm. So um, we had to wake him up and it was go time. I mean, I couldn't even think for one second. It was just like, they got me ready and we were out the door. I didn't see Nick. I woke him up. He was like half awake. So that was last I seen him until in the operating room, he had walked in all geared up. So Thankfully, I had that opportunity to have him by my side because I know some high-risk pregnancies, they don't allow, you know, the father to be there. And I was awake during the whole thing. And I, when they set me up, I was obviously nervous, but I was calm. I mean, I, I do pretty well with like situations like that. So during the birth, obviously I just felt like tugging. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I thought, honestly, of course I'm young and I was nervous. So every scenario of a birth scared me at that time. And as they took Gabrielle and Sophia out, it was, I I couldn't, there was no crying. I mean, they were incredibly small. Sophia was born a pound and four ounces and Gabriella was two pounds and 14 ounces. So yeah, I, your typical birth, you know, they hand over the baby and there was none of that. So how many yeah. nights were you in the hospital from when you were admitted to the day, the night that they decided like, Hey, we got to do this now. So I was admitted the first and I had them the fourth, but it was technically the night of the third. Cause it was, gotcha. Uh, yeah. So, so really only three and a half, you know, days. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oh, I was like, I told him, I was like, you got to pack a suitcase. Like I'm going to be living here so for 12 was, weeks. Yeah. Right, right. Right. So, I mean, I wish I would have coasted, but right. unfortunately, yeah, those weren't the circumstances. And prior to like, you know, that 28 week appointment, when they were kind of like, we're going to admit you the twin to twin transfusion syndrome, everything like that. Did you have like any birth preferences or like a vision for your birth? Or did they kind of tell you from the start, like, you're probably going to need a C-section? Yeah. So my mom actually had a C-section with me. So in my mind, I don't know why I just like wanted a C-section either way. And I think I was, I have to admit, I was young and scared and I didn't want a natural birth at the time. I was more so just thinking like, a surgery in a sense. I know it sounds silly now, but, um, I was, I was pretty nervous about that. I think 
as a child or growing up looking at that birthing story for myself, I did always want like a natural birth, but when that, in the heat of the moment, um, I didn't have a choice, but yeah, at that first appointment, when they told me I was having twins, it was kind of something I, I knew I wouldn't have a choice because they said right. since it's a high risk. Yeah. 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 And so most doctors will, I mean, you definitely can have twins vaginally, but especially when there's the other complications going on and depending on how they're positioned, a lot of times that is definitely something that is heavily like recommended, we'll say. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah. so you had your C-section, they came out and then what kind of happened? You know, I know you said that they were one pound and a couple ounces and then yeah, tell me one again. pound, one pound, four ounces oh and then goodness. two pounds and 14. Yeah. So I it can't was even imagine that size yeah, of a baby in my head. I know. I know. And if I'm being honest, I was never like one to hold other people's babies. I was never like, Oh my God. Like, so to me, a normal baby was, you know, just as big as my, I, I didn't really know in the, t- at the time. And when we saw Gabriel and Sophia in my mind, they were small, most definitely, but they weren't as small as if I would have been around like a newborn and compared the two, I mean, yes, they were, Sophia was trans, pretty transparent. I mean, you could see some large organs yeah, wow. or whatever it was. And yeah, it was, it was, um, a rough looking NICU journey. I mean, every NICU journey is a roller coaster ride and that's right. what everybody told me. So when I had them, um, like I mentioned, I, I wasn't able to see them until the following morning. So, um, I mean, obviously I I needed rest. I I needed to heal whatever needed to be healed. But um, that following morning I was wheeled right into the NICU. The nurses were incredibly welcoming. I mean, it was a great environment for the circumstances. And I am so blessed and grateful for those nurses. And Gabrielle and Sophia were in their little incubators covered up. We couldn't hold them. And I actually, we held Gabriella first and that wasn't until roughly about three weeks later wow. and Sophia. Yeah. We could not hold Sophia until about a month after she was born. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So overall kind of how was, I know, I know you said, I'm sure your NICU journey was long and a roller coaster, yeah. but you know, are there any like points from it that really stick out to you, you know, as far as highs and lows, um, kind of sum yeah. that up for me. Yeah. So Sophia was in there for 92 days total wow. and Gabriella was there for, for 68 days. Um, in the duration of that time, Sophia had, she was born with ROP, retinopathy of prematurity. So at, I want to say about two months into the NICU journey is when she had her laser treatment because they didn't want to put her through the stress of that until she could wean off of oxygen. So in the beginning of Sophia's journey, and I'm going to take it like childhood time. So with Sophia's journey, she, the first roughly week, she was in the incubator on this breathing machine that consistently shook her. So I don't really know the specs of it, but it was to keep her, you know, her body moving, her lungs moving, breathing. And during that, she did have three blood transfusions. And when her laser surgery rolled around, she was weaned from, I believe at that time she was on CPAP. And during the surgery, I was in the room. It was myself and my mom and the nurse. And actually, I believe Nick's dad was there. And during the surgery, Sophia, her heart completely dropped. Um, she had to be resuscitated. It was scary. I think it was so quick um, because the procedure they had 
discussed with me was, you know, it'll be very quick. It's just a slight like laser to her eye and then she's done. And it was in the room. So it, it was, it was nothing like she needed to be transferred or anything like that. So we were in there just surrounding her with love. And then when that happened, it was just like, there was a code that was given. The nurses rushed in. I'm already like up and down on this roller coaster. And they were doing CPR. I mean, she at this point was probably close to maybe two, two and a half pounds. So to think of giving a child, I mean, I'm CPR certified and I could not imagine. It's just another reason I'm so grateful for those nurses, but they resuscitated her. The surgery was successful. So it was an overall success, but it was just another bump in the road. So that was, that was incredibly scary, but again, the circumstances were at hand and the best case scenario, it worked out. And um, at that point, I think after that, we just worked on bottle feeding Sophia and she was out of there. Like I mentioned in 92 days, the difference between Gabriella leaving a little early with Sophia was because she was obviously smaller, but we could, it was a very hard thing to get her weaned off of the oxygen and bottle feeding. So I believe they will send the baby home with the feeding tube, but that's something they try to avoid. So every time we would feed Sophia, she was on the nasal cannula. She had the acid reflux. It would just go straight through the tubes and then her oxygen levels would drop. So we finally reached a good point with that. But however, she did have to come home on the nasal cannula and not the feeding tube. So that was a plus. She could eat, but she came home on oxygen. Um, and that was, I mean, it was a struggle. I mean, we're carrying around two babies in a stroller or their car seats with wheeling that oxygen or holding it on our backpacks with the monitor. So it was a whole get up, but we were so happy to have her home. Um, and then Gabriella, her NICU journey wasn't as like up and down, but Gabriella did have to have a blood transfusion and it was an emergency situation. So one day when we came to visit, she had a big old needle in her head and it was through the scalp. Um, and that was, I mean, it was scary to see your baby with a needle in her head, but it had to be done. So as far as that, Gabriella passed her car seat test with flying colors. She got weaned off of that oxygen. So we were happy to have her home. Um, I think the struggle with that too was balancing because we couldn't bring Sophia to, or we couldn't bring Gabriella to the NICU to visit Sophia because you had to be over a certain age. Right. So, so yeah, that was probably, um, the greatest hurdle of everything was balancing everything out. And what was it like, like taking one of them home and, you know, not being able to take the other one? Yeah, it definitely was heartbreaking. I mean, there were times where we felt we were spending more time with Gabriella than we were Sophia because we had her home. I mean, and at the time we did have them at St. John, they weren't allowing Nick and I to stay the night there at the same time for whatever reasons. So it was a challenge for like one of us to be there, one of us to be here. And then like, he would have to come and visit without her. It, it was a, definitely a feeling of guilt, but we had to do what was best for them, both of them at the same time. And at that moment too, they were so high risk in utero and now there. So we were very on the fence about who can hold them at the time. I mean, obviously COVID wasn't a thing or anything like that, but we we just wanted to protect them. I felt like as parents, we were just watching them go through kind of a nightmare 
with everything, with their first breath, with their first everything, it was hard. So we wanted to just be with them 24 seven. So it was, it was hard. We had to balance it both. And in the midst of all, in the midst of everything, Nick had just graduated high school. Right. Right. And how was then the transition? I guess when you had them both home, did you guys, you know, obviously twins is it's hard, especially premature twins and especially being young when you have them. Um, what, I guess, you know, what would you, what would you tell somebody, I guess, who would be in similar shoes? Like, as far as, I don't know how you guys got through it, how you made the best of it and kind of bits of advice you'd have. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I, I honestly, as far as the NICU, it's a roller coaster of emotions, but you just have to know and be there for your children in the time. But as far as balancing, when one goes home before the other, I just had to trust God and, and let go of my fears and realize that it was, it was going to be okay. I mean, they were in the best possible hands. Bringing them both home was definitely a balance. But in that very moment, I was just so grateful to have my babies home and I could spend, I could feed them their bottles for the moments that I wasn't in the NICU, other nurses and God bless them. But, you know, I wanted to feed my baby. So I think in that very moment, I just had to remind myself, like, what are the reasons why I'm blessed right now? Like I had to look at the positives in that very moment, because there are so many negatives that you can pull out of a NICU journey. And then to be young, it is, it is hard to pull those things out, but I'm grateful for the people around me and the support I had because it, it was the positive vision was easier to have at such a young age. Yeah. I feel like even thinking about myself, like 18, having gone through all of this, you know, and not that like, you know, a lot of 18 year olds are mature, but still like the, just yeah. having the mental like strength, I feel like, and I don't know. It, yeah. It's just a lot to handle at, at such a young age. So that's yeah. amazing that you guys had, especially like the support that you had. And did you guys go home to like one of your family's houses that way you had? Yeah. So we actually balanced, we really wanted to stay, of course, like I wanted to be with my mom and at my parents' house, he wanted to be with his parents. So right. we, we did balance both. So we originally moved into my parents and we needed Nick obviously to graduate high school to get on our feet. So then we moved in with his parents for roughly about two months. And then we got our first condo. So we were just trying to set ourselves up and of course, get Nick through graduating and all that and getting on his feet with his first career job. And once that happened, we got into our condo, which was like right around the corner from our parents' house. So it was super convenient if need be while Nick was at work, balancing everything like that. So yeah, we really, I think more importantly than ever, it was the vision that Nick and I had to have. I mean, the vision for our children, the vision for like the next, the next path for us, because we needed to pave that quicker than right. ever. Right. So tell me then about just where you guys are at now, especially, you know, obviously when you have twins and they're premature and you go through that whole Nikki journey, I'm sure a lot of people listening are wondering how they're doing now. So how are yeah. you guys doing? <laughs> Give us we're an update. Doing great. Yeah, no, I mean, we're doing great. Um, Gabrielle and Sophia will be six in October. So crazy. Yeah. It's insane. I think time has flown by so fast and I, it's, everybody says that so cliche, but, um, as far as health, Sophia does have asthma and it's only needed her inhaler is only needed when she is, when she needs it. It's never just a daily thing. Thank God. And as far as Gabriella, she is completely healthy. She does have a pelvic kidney and that's something we did discover when they were in the NICU, but we recently went to that appointment. 
So everything is healthy. It's just lower. So yeah, overall, I think God works miracles and we are so blessed with the circumstance that we had to go through. They, they went through and it all worked out. And that's another thing. That's a report, an important reminder for anybody in the NICU right now dealing with this is, you know, it'll all work out. So yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah, we are that's blessed. amazing. Yeah. That is extremely blessed to come through all of that, you know, and, and just have a little bit of asthma, <laughs> like we'll take yeah, it, you know, know that's, that's exactly where we're at with it. We're like, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. That's awesome. And I know I kind of already asked you like your for a little bit of advice for somebody kind of going through a similar situation, but in general, I guess of motherhood, what would be your like top piece of advice that you'd give a new mom? I think my top piece of advice for a new mom is to, it's never too early to prepare. I know that's like a silly piece of advice, but I just had a gut like an intuition that I needed to prepare. I mean, I moved my baby shower up like three months wow. and it's something where people always have their baby showers like a month before they give birth or, or whatever the case may be for them. But for me, I was high risk. So I knew that, but I just was, you know, we were excited. We wanted to buy this, that, and the next. And I think just being prepared mentally too, and physically to have what, it, what we needed, because if we were, you know, we were dealing with the NICU. How would I would have had a baby shower in the midst of all that? It couldn't have happened. So again, I think dealing and preparing with it mentally is another thing. So just again, take it one day at a time. You'll have crazy days, you'll have crazy nights, but you just have to be thankful for what you have in the moment. Yeah. I think preparation is like key when it comes to having a baby and you can never like plan too much. I don't know. There's such a difference because people get like really stuck on like planning this like perfect vision and this perfect birth. And then obviously when it doesn't go that way, right. you know, they feel like their dreams are crushed, but it's not even planning in that sense. Cause that's like more of a mental thing. I think, I think it's more just like planning every route that it could go down. Like you said, like you knew that you were high risk. So you moved up your baby shower. It's just planning for things that, you know, you just never know. These babies are in charge. We are not. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And I'm such a planner too. Like when I, have a vision. Like you mentioned, I want to execute it. So it definitely yes. was a struggle to maneuver, um, every wrench that was thrown in our plans, but you know, the babies are in control and it all worked itself out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, Brooke. Well, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your story. Where can people connect with you or find you? Um, I am on Instagram and Facebook. Awesome. What's mm -hmm. your Instagram handle? Brooke B R O O K E N E E. MS. Perfect. And I'll link that in the show notes for this podcast. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of What the Bump. Make sure to follow us over on Instagram at WhatTheBumpCLT. Check out our website, WhatTheBumpCLT.com. Make sure to leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever platform you are listening on. And tune in every Monday at 9 a.m. for a new episode. Remember that this podcast is for educational purposes only. I will see you next week in the next episode.